Well, good morning. Good to be with you all. From the depths of my soul, I cry out. I want to ask you a question this morning. When is the last time that you cried? When did you last feel the moisture of tears run down your face? Do you remember where you were? Do you remember who you were with? Do you remember what brought those tears forth? Was it some kind of grief, of loss? Or maybe a, a dreadful fear that had been lurking underneath and finally broke through to the surface? Maybe you don't even know the reason. Tears just come, and the heart is heavy. Maybe it was something as simple as stubbing your toe. You know, I mean, that can stir up some tears from time to time. But, but honestly, pain in our bodies can bring forth tears, especially when it's coupled with grief and the fear of growing old or living with a chronic illness. So, so when is the last time that you cried? Where were you? Who were you with? Do you remember what that moment felt like? Right? Did, did you try to hold back the tears, maybe? Felt the need to apologize for them? Or maybe you tried to, to shrug it off and, and dismiss it? Right? Now, now, maybe some of you can't think of, of that time that you last cried. You, you know there's been pain in your life. There's grief that's there, but for some reason, tears just feel inaccessible. Can't quite reach them. You might even really want to cry, but for some reason, you just can't. For others of you, maybe you're just not the crying type. You know, there, there's a sense that maybe tears are a sign of weakness. You know, so even if you have felt some tinge of sadness, you stuffed that down because it's, it's just foolish. And, and so you tried to move on. Now, now this is an interesting situation that, that we're in and that I think our culture maybe has, has put us in because for some reason, there is a sense that crying is foolish. That crying is useless. And so some of us refuse to cry. Some of us can't cry. And those of us who do feel the need to apologize for it. So now I don't know exactly what has perpetuated this myth that crying is foolish. But what I do know is that it runs completely counter to what Jesus said. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. 
This is the heart of God in the face of grief. So, so if you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to Psalm chapter 6. Psalm chapter 6 is where we're going to be this morning. Throughout the summer, walking through the Psalms. And today, we find a psalm of lament. It's a psalm that is flooded with tears, quite literally. And, and I think that it has a word to offer all of us. For those who aren't the crying type, right, this psalm, I think, gives permission and even an invitation to let the tears flow. And for those who already have tears in their eyes, aches in their hearts, this psalm is a word that you are not alone in your tears. And and for every single one of us, I think this psalm is an invitation to bring our tears to God who hears us. So Psalm chapter 6, hear the word of the Lord. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are shaking with terror. My soul also is struck with terror. While you, O Lord, How long? Turn, O Lord, save my life. Deliver me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who can give you praise? I am weary with moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eyes waste away because of grief. And they grow weak because of all of my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and struck with terror. They shall turn back and in a moment be put to shame. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for blessing us and our mourning, for meeting us in our tears. I pray that as we reflect on the words of this psalm, that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this psalm, Psalm 6, has essentially three parts to it, right? The first is this crying out to God. The second 
is a sinking into the depths of despair. And the final is this sudden, kind of surprising shift toward hope. It's like if we were lighting this scene, it's dark and it grows dimmer as the scene progresses. But then suddenly, someone flips on a light and it's flooded with hope. So let's walk through this scene together. The first words of this psalm are a direct address to God. O Lord, do not rebuke me. O Lord, be gracious to me. O Lord, heal me. O Lord, how long? O Lord, save my life. If you're looking at your Bible, you may notice that each one of those O Lords is in all caps. And when you see that throughout the Old Testament, it's a sign that this is God's personal name, often transliterated Yahweh or Jehovah. And so in these first four verses of Psalm 6, the psalmist addresses God directly by name five times. In the midst of grief and in the midst of suffering, the psalmist goes to God. Now, as we think about grief and we think about suffering in particular, our our modern culture is obsessed with the question, why? Why is there suffering? And that's a fair question. A lot of philosophers and theologians have, have wrestled with it and filled libraries with their thoughts on it. And the Bible does offer some comments on this question. But overall, Scripture doesn't really address this directly. Scripture is concerned not so much with the abstract question, why? But the ever more practical question, how? The question is not, why is there suffering? But rather, how should we suffer? The psalmist declares that when we suffer, we bring our tears to God. So the philosopher asks the question, why? And when he can't come up with a good answer, he rejects God and goes on suffering. But the psalmist asks the question, how? And answers it by drawing even closer to God and ultimately receiving comfort and assurance in God's presence. And so the psalmist shows us that in the midst of suffering and in the midst of grief, we go to God. And he shows us that when we go to God, we can truly bring our whole selves. He says to God, I am languishing. My bones are shaking with terror. My soul also struck with terror. Now, there are very many different kinds of tears, aren't there? Right? There are a bunch of different 
causes for our grief. There are tears of the heart, tears of the body, tears of the soul. And all of these are welcome before God. From the languishing heart to shaking bones to the terrified soul, the psalmist brings his whole self to God. And God truly cares about each of these. Every one of these griefs is legitimate in God's eyes. And so my guess is that just like the lie of crying, being foolish, many of us also believe that some types of tears are more acceptable than others, more legitimate than others. But that's not what we see here. God welcomes them all. So if your heart is hurting from a broken relationship, from years of bitterness, from the darkness of depression, it is okay to cry to God. If your body is aching from sickness or injury, from illness and age, from, from stubbed toes to stubborn coughs, it's okay to cry to God. And then there's the soul, right? The weight of fear and doubt, the guilt and shame of sin, or maybe the pressure of rules and religion. And even from this place, it is okay to cry to God. God welcomes all of this before him. And in the midst of these, he longs for us to receive the care that we need. And so for troubled hearts, he has given us the gift of counselors. For sick bodies, he has given us the gift of doctors. And I encourage you, if you're in need of healing and care, by all means, go get it. God is in the work of counselors. He is in the work of doctors. But these are not a substitute for prayer. Not a substitute for drawing near to God. It is not a matter of either or, but rather both and. Our lives are not as compartmentalized as we'd like to think a lot of times. God desires for us to bring our whole lives before him. And so the psalmist says, Turn, O Lord, save my life. Deliver me for the sake of your steadfast love. And then the psalm takes its turn downward. The light grows dimmer, right? In verse 5, the psalmist fears the darkness of death. 
And then in verse 6, sobs, I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weeping. My eyes waste away because of grief, and they grow weak because of all my foes. The psalmist is literally swimming in his grief, and his eyes can no longer see because of the darkness around him. And and notice something. In verse 5, he asked, In death, who can give you praise? And then in verses 6 through 7, his praise has stopped. That flood in the opening verses, O Lord, O Lord, O Lord, has been overtaken by the flood of tears. He no longer speaks God's name. Now, I I know that so far this morning, I've said that we ought to go to God with our tears and our griefs. But have you ever felt grief so deep that you couldn't even bring yourself to pray? Has doubt ever felt so dark that you couldn't even see the light of faith? I love the Psalms because they are so brutally honest sometimes. In this psalm, we don't see someone who calls to the Lord and is immediately answered. Rather, after he calls out, things actually get worse. And this is often true in our own lives. We call out to God, nothing changes. Or we call out to God, and things get worse. We ask for life and are met with death. And I wish I could say otherwise. But the Christian faith is not about having an easy and a happy life. It is not a magic wand that if you wave it, your life suddenly becomes great. Christian faith is not about living an easy, happy life, but it is about living real life. And so with all of its pain and with all of its challenges, the promise of Christian faith is that no matter how hard things are, we will never be alone in them. And no matter how hopeless things might seem, death is not the end. And that is where this psalm takes its final and and sudden turn. In verse 8, the psalmist rises from the bed of his tears and emphatically declares, Depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord accepts my prayer. Do you hear the change? The name of God returns to his speech. 
as faith floods back in. And because of that, he now speaks with confidence against all the things that had plagued him. And so in the final verse, he says, All my enemies shall be ashamed and struck with terror. They shall turn back and in a moment be put to shame. And so the terror that was once in his shaking bones and trembling soul will now be on his enemies as they are caught in their deception. And this is what it is like when we meet God and the tears of our hearts, our bodies, and our souls. Our hearts have been heavy because we felt rejected or unloved. But that will be uncovered as a lie in the truth of God. Our souls were ashamed because we believed that we were too sinful for God. But that too will be shown to be a lie in the never-ending love of God. And yes, even the aches and the illness of our bodies will one day be put to shame because the scriptures say that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And so even death in its creeping presence in our lives now will one day be shown to be a lie. And life will reign. The truth of the gospel is this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This comes true as we bring ourselves to God. And so so we've made it through the psalm. And I just want to spend a little bit longer reflecting on this because it is not only the psalmist who prays this prayer along with us, but Jesus would have been very familiar with the shape of this psalm. Begins crying out to God, and things only get darker. Jesus once actually prayed the very words of this psalm, my soul is heavy within me. In the Garden of Gethsemane. And as he prayed, tears fell from his eyes. One gospel says, like drops of blood. Meanwhile, the disciples were falling asleep. But Jesus cries out, O Lord, deliver me from this. And things immediately got better, right? Jesus knows the shape of the psalm. Things got worse. A crowd ran into the garden and lugged him off. And some hours later, found himself hanging on a cross. 
But that's not the end. Because truly, the Lord heard his prayer. And he was raised from death. This is the shape of Christian life. When we call out to God, we continue journeying with him, even to death. This is the prayer that Jesus prayed in the garden. And it's the prayer that we pray in our own baptisms as we are drawn down into the waters, just like this psalmist was in the waters on his bed. But we come up. And someday, there is coming a kingdom where he will wipe every tear from our eyes. And we will know truly that the Lord has heard our prayer and that blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I want to close this this time together just with a moment of prayer. And so I invite you to move into a posture of prayer, whatever that looks like for you. And I want to bring our own tears before God now. And so maybe hold out your hands is one good way of posturing, offering these things to God. Let's pray. Father, we bring our tears before you now. We pray now for the tears of our hearts, lifting up to you whatever relationships we have that are broken, whatever bitterness that we've carried toward others. whatever darkness that we have dwelt in, we offer it to you now. Hear the cries of our hearts. And God, we also bring before you the tears of our bodies. There are aches, there is sickness. For some of us, sickness that we live with every day. And God, we ask for healing, but all the more we ask that you would draw near to us. Hear the cries of our bodies. And God, we also bring before you the cries of our souls. And we confess that we often are not moved by the sickness we have 
of sin. I pray that you would help us to grieve over the ways that we have wronged you and wronged others. We trust you and the truth of your forgiveness. We trust your blood on the cross. And we trust your life from the grave. Lord, hear the cries of our souls. God, as we bring these tears before you, we pray in faith with the psalmist. The Lord has heard the sound of our weeping. The Lord has heard our prayers. The Lord accepts our prayer. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. In Jesus' name.